Today we're going to look at Jude verses 5 through 7. And i uh, got three different verses today we're going to look at. And a uh, tremendous book of the Bible neglected by so many. And uh, someone was commenting about SoundCloud. And you know, every week when we send that email out, there's a link where you can listen to the message and the Bible study. Um, Walter was telling me that um, he had someone that commented to him they enjoyed the song last week. And uh, Steve Phillips showed up. We did I Love to Tell the Story. And I looked at the bulletin today and we're going to sing that in the congregation today. So we had practice last week for today, I guess. Well, today I'm going to speak about this kind of subject. I tried to find a title for these verses. And uh, we're going to call this, Lest We Forget. Lest We Forget. It's a common phrase used in war remembrance and memorial services. And uh, before the term was used, it was in reference to war and was taken from a Christian poem. And uh, the Christian poem was written by Rudyard, Rudyard Kipling called uh, Recessional. And uh, let me just read that poem to you, part of it. It says, God of our fathers known of old, Lord of our far-flung battle line, beneath whose awful hand we hold, Dominion over palm and pine. Lord God of hosts, be with us yet, lest we forget, lest we forget. And so we remember that last part of that poem, lest we forget. Now, uh, the author of that, uh, Kipling, took that really from the book of Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9, it says, only give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently so that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen and they do not depart from your heart all the days of your life, but make them known to your sons and your grandsons. And it seems like in the Bible, in the Word of God, there is a constant reminder, don't forget. Don't forget this. There's even a celebration called the Passover that Israel would have every year lest they forget. We have short memories when it comes to the goodness of God. Uh, we forget His blessings. And so there are these holy reminders. In fact, when the children of Israel crossed over the Jordan, they were commanded to make a monument there so they would stack up stones. And that was a reminder of what God did in parting the Jordan River for the people of God. We need some holy reminders, don't we? Uh, the church comes together at times and they'll hold up a piece of bread and they'll hold up a glass of juice and those are holy reminders of the blood of Jesus and His broken body. And so we need those markers in our life. Jude in verses 5 through 7 calls the people of God to remember. 
Don't forget. And so let's read verses 5 through 7 here in the book of Jude. Now I desire to remind you, though you know all things once for all, that the Lord after saving a people out of the land of Egypt subsequently destroyed those who did not believe. And angels who did not keep their own domain, but abandoned their proper abode. He is kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they in the same way as these indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh, are exhibited as an example and undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. Uh, the Message Bible in verse number 7 at the end says, they burn, burn, and burn. In other words, eternal fire is a fire that burns and dies and never goes out completely. It just continues. And so Jude has this remembrance in mind. Now remember, back up in verse number 3, uh, Jude could not write about salvation. He had to write about contending for the faith. We saw last Sunday that we are to fight and defend and battle for the faith. One reason why we do that is because back there in the past, we can find examples of people that did not follow the Lord, they were not faithful, they were not in tune with God's Spirit, and they suffered the consequences. So today, lest we forget, we need some holy reminders. I was listening to, uh, to a video that, that Joe Mack had sent me on, and it was O.S. Hawkins talking about W.A. Criswell, the great man of God. And I, I think it's good to remember those who have fought the fight, been faithful through the years, and that have stuck with the Word of God. You know, Dr. Criswell was, well, he was just a strange dude. He was. Uh, O.S. Hawkins talked about his eating habits that Dr. Criswell always ate his dessert first. And someone asked him why, and he said, well, you never know when Jesus is going to come. <laughs> he said, I want to get that dessert in first. And then also, Dr. Criswell had a strange habit of eating food off other people's plate. Stories told at one time, uh, someone took him to, to dinner, and, and this was in the video that, that Joe had sent me, and classic story, someone took him to dinner and Dr. Criswell was famous for just ordering a bowl of soup and then he would just pick off other people's plates. So this guy knew what was coming so he said, now listen Dr. Criswell, I've got lots of money. You order your meal, get whatever you want. I've got lots of money today. Just order your meal, I'll get my meal. You eat your meal, I'll eat my meal. Well, it came time to order, and W.A. Criswell looked up at the waiter and said, I'll just have a bowl of clam chowder. And then bring me also a couple of forks. 
and he just took those forks and was picking off everybody's blood. Aren't you glad that we can remember a W.A. Criswell, an Adrian Rogers, a Billy Graham, a Billy Sunday, a D.L. Moody, a Charles Finney, a Charles Spurgeon. I mean, all those great men of God who were faithful. I'm, I'm glad that we can call to remembrance today those that were faithful, but also we need to call to remembrance the times in Israel's history recorded in the Word of God where they failed, where they missed God's best. They are reminders for you and I today. So, i got three lessons, three of them to share with you today. Alright, number one, remember the danger of unbelief. The danger of unbelief. There is a danger for the church today when they don't stand on faith. There's a danger for the church today when they don't believe God for the very, very best. Years ago, I, I was in a budget committee meeting and, and I had this uh, crazy man on the finance committee. Every finance committee in any church I've been a part of always has one crazy man on there. No. I see notes, I'm not naming names. I, I will tell you this the reason why the church is doing so good financially right now, Teresa Milne told me, and I'm quoting her, is because there are two women on the finance committee. So, uh, yeah, Mary Nell Roden and Teresa Milne. But anyway, I had this crazy man, Patsy Klein would say crazy, I had this crazy man on the committee. We had the budget all done. It was something that the church could afford. We were going to meet the budget. To God be the glory. It was done. All those meetings. We got to the very end and He sat there and tore that thing up in our sight. I said, what are you doing? He said, this is what we can do. He said, we can meet this budget. He said, I want to do a budget that God can do. And we redid it. And we raised it. And you know what? God met that budget. There are times that the church needs to back up and say, what does God want us to do? And so there's a great danger for First Baptist Church of Columbia. And I'll preach to the choir today, alright? I'll preach to us. There's a danger for you and I that in the midst of spiritual and physical prosperity, we rely on us and don't rely enough on God. It's a danger of unbelief. Now, verse number 5 here in your Bible, it's the story of the children of Israel that got right to the edge of the promised land. Man, it is in sight. They can see it. They can see the skyscrapers of Jerusalem. I mean, it's right there in sight. And so they decide, well, before we cross over, let's send out 12 spies. So they send out the 12 spies. Spies come back, and it's like an old-fashioned church business meeting. 
Moses, as a moderator, calls the meeting to order. And they get up there and ten of the spies bring the majority report. Oh, we are like grasshoppers compared to them giants. They're going to squish us. Let's just go back into the wilderness. Two, Joshua and Caleb. They stand up and they say, yeah, but God's called us to cross over. And if we cross over, God's going to be with us. Well, you know the story. They went back into unbelief. Because of their unbelief, death went through the camp. Now, I'll tell you what somebody should have said. Somebody should have said, if we go forward, if we cross that Jordan, God's going to fight for us. If we go forward and cross that Jordan, God's going to make us a pathway. God's going to defeat the enemies over there. God's going to feed us like He did in the wilderness. But if we go back today in unbelief, who's going to fight those battles in the wilderness for us? If we go back in unbelief, who's going to give us food out there in the wilderness? I want to tell you, any time a church, any, now listen to this prophet, any time a church doubts the Word of God, and goes towards unbelief, the hand of God's blessing goes off of them. Let me tell you my great fear in 2020. My great fear in 2020 is not that God's hand of judgment would come on First Baptist Church of Columbia. That's not my fear. My great fear is that God's hand of blessing that's on it right now would be removed. That's my great fear. Unbelief. Now, verse number 5. Do not trust in security of past experience. And notice in verse number 5 it says, After saving a people in Egypt, God sent plagues. He parted the Red Sea, destroyed Pharaoh's army, provided quail and manna in the wilderness. They had an incredible past. An incredible past. In other words, they were looking back and saying, God did all this in the past. Surely, He'll be with us even if we go back into the wilderness. Let me talk about you and I. One day you walked down the aisle of the church. One day maybe you signed a card of membership. One day you walked through the waters of baptism. One day you prayed a prayer of salvation. God's more concerned today with what you are today than what you were back there. Don't trust in the security of a past experience. I want you to look at a verse in your Bible. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. I think I listed this verse maybe on your notes. 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says this, Test yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Examine yourselves, or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to test. Man, what a verse for you and I to remember that 
We are to examine our lives every single day. Well, we're also not to trust in the security of a future expectation. And notice again back there in verse number 5, in Jude verse 5, you find the word after. The word after. <clears throat> in other words, after saving a people. You know, you and I are living between two great events. The first coming of the Lord and the second coming of the Lord. We are living between those two great events. Now, the challenge for you and I is that we stay consistent today. That we stay relevant today. That we have an up-to-date up testimony today. The children of Israel, they were relying on a past experience. Remember, recall the danger of unbelief. By the way, what happened to all that generation that doubted God? They died in the wilderness. They died in the wilderness. They dug, listen to me, they dug their graves in view of the promised land. Have you been on the Columbia Metro Baptist Association's website recently? If you look at Columbia Metro, there are churches after churches after churches that are closing, that are dying, that are having to reorganize. And I've got to believe that somewhere at some point they got to the Jordan River and they decided to go back in unbelief instead of moving forward by faith. Man, listen, the danger of unbelief. Alright, there's a second reminder. Day number two. Remember the dishonor of rebellion. Dishonor of rebellion. That's verse number six. Now for all you Bible scholars, let me tell you something. Verse number six is one of the hardest verses in all the Bible to interpret. I can walk out of here today and probably get ten different opinions about verse number 6. So, I pick the one I like. If this is not the one you like, great. When we get to heaven, God will tell you you were wrong and I was right, okay? No, God will straighten us out when I get to heaven. Alright, verse number 6. Let me read it. And angels who did not keep their own domain, but abandoned their proper abode, he is kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Now, the point here is that we need to remember the dishonor of rebellion. The Bible is clear that Jude is capturing a group that rebelled, that left God's will and calling for their life and sinned against God. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 is a parallel verse. By the way, 2 Peter and the book of Jude go hand in hand. It's like one read the other one and one's a commentary on the other. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 says this. This from the King James Version. For if God spared not the angels 
that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and deliver them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Now, what God is talking about here in His Word, I believe, my view, is that Jude is referring to the original fall of Lucifer in heaven. I believe that God in His Word is saying, here's a reminder, there was one third of the angels in heaven. And Lucifer or Satan was there in heaven as an archangel. And there was a rebellion in heaven. And one third of the angels in heaven were cast out, were cast down into a place that is reserving them for judgment. You can read about this in Isaiah chapter 14. In fact, if you got your Bible, look at Isaiah chapter 14. Real quick, we'll look at that. Isaiah 14. And look at verses 11 through 13. Isaiah chapter 14. Verses 11 through 13. By the way, you know, there were three archangels when God had made the creation of His angelic beings. Three archangels. Who were they? Who? Gabriel, Michael, Lucifer. Right, the third one. And uh, when you read here in Isaiah chapter 14, verses 11 through 13, the Bible says in verse 11, your pomp and the music of your hearts have been brought down to Sheol. Maggots are spread out as your bed beneath you, and worms are your covering. How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, sun of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth, you who have weakened the nations. But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven, I will raise my throne above the stars of God, and I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north. Also you could read in Ezekiel chapter 28, same story. Satan who is called son of the morning, evidently Satan was that angelic archangel that led worship in heaven. Uh, maybe directed the choir in heaven. And yet he tried to overtake and overthrow the very throne of God. And so God cast Satan or Lucifer out and one third of the angels of heaven. Jude cites that and says here is a dishonor, a lesson in rebellion that you find that is a reminder for you and I not to rebel. Now, I am so glad that I had a short time of rebellion in my life. I'm so glad that it didn't last long. God surrounded me with good people that kept me from going further into rebellion in my youth. But there are two principles for life that you find here. Number one, you need to accept God's plan for your life. What was the plan that God had for Lucifer and those angels? Well, man, listen. They were in heaven. They were there before the very throne of God. 
Satan or Lucifer was, was that one that directed the choir, the music in heaven. And yet they did not keep that place. That They were not content with the spot that God had for them. We need to be confident that God has a plan for your life. And wherever God puts you, don't rebel against that plan. Don't rebel against that. Jeremiah 29.11 talks about the plans that God has for you and I. Plans for welfare and peace. Now, talking about that, I'll talk about preachers. There are guys that never wind up in a big ministry. There are guys that never wind up in a big church. But they are faithful to God with the 50. They are faithful to God with the 40. They are faithful to God with the 25 people. And God has blessed them. And God's hand is on them. But there are others who were not faithful with the 50, not faithful with the 40, not faithful with the 25 because they always had their eye on something bigger. I want to tell you the greatest joy of my life. It was when that small church of about 70 folks called me in 1978 to be their pastor when I was 19 years of age. I knew diddly squat. I didn't know anything. All I knew was get up, open up the Word of God and try to preach. But I want to tell you, when guys are faithful in little things, God will give them bigger things. He will. He will. Alright. Also, we need to respect God's power over us. Uh, these, these angels were prideful and they did not respect God's power that would be over them. So, there's this holy reminder. Alright, remember the dishonor of rebellion. Accept God's plan for your life. Respect God's power over you. Alright, let me move on. Third and last today. Third and last thing. There's a lesson here, number three. Remember the destiny of the immoral. That's verse number seven. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they in the same way as these indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh, are exhibited as an example and undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. So, here's a third story. It's a story of Sodom and Gomorrah. So, terrible was their sin that we even name the sin of homosexuality after that. Sodomites. We find that this story of Sodom and Gomorrah is mentioned 20 times in the Bible. It was always talked about as the classic example of God's judgment. I'm reminded that years ago before she went to glory, Billy Graham's wife, Ruth Graham, said that God one day will either judge America or He'll have to go back and apologize to Solomon and Gomorrah. You know that, and I've said this before, you know in the 1950s, in the 1950s and 1960s, 
what you saw on TV. They could not imagine what we're seeing today. It would make them do more than blush. Do you remember the Dick Van Dyke show? Rob Petrie, remember him? His wife, Laura. Remember the bedroom? Two separate beds. <laughs> there's her bed and there's his bed. Fully clothed in some 1960 pajamas, alright? I don't know where we're heading, but I know this. The world that we're going to hand our children and grandchildren is going to be a far more dismal world than we grew up in. Licentiousness and the license to sin is going to be rampant. We are not going to hand them maybe a better world, but we can hand them a better church. We can hand them a better church. You know why we need 1420 Sumter? Because we need a better church for a future generation. You want to know why we need an EFLC? Because we need a better church for a future generation. You want to know why we need to pack out that choir every Sunday? Because we need a better church for a future generation. Remember the destiny of immorality. Sexual perversion can consume you. Do you see what verse number 7 says? It says, this is strange flesh. Again, we, we don't have to go far in our mind to understand that. I want to be real careful about what I say, but I want you to understand me clearly. There are no degrees of sin as far as it being right or wrong, all sin. A lie, adultery, lust, murder, all sin nailed the Son of God to the cross. But I do want you to hear this. There are differing degrees of consequences for sin. I'm sometimes taken by those repentance stories that I hear in prison. Chuck Colson and others that have turned their life around. But I know that they still had to go to prison. They still had to do the time. There were still the consequences. Perhaps the consequences of our immorality today, those consequences will not be shared by us, but by future generations. By future generations. Well, also eternal punishment can claim you. Uh, verse number 7 again in the Message Bible closes by saying, they will go through the punishment of burning, burning, and burning eternal fire. You know, we have a hard time understanding that concept, don't we? We think of fire that it's there and gone. We think of fire as being something that burns for a while and goes away. God describes hell as a place that is a burning and a fire that goes on and on and on through eternity. 
We need to remember these lessons from the book of Jude. But also, we need to remember something else. An old hymn called Lead Me to Calvary has this phrase, and I'll close with this today. King of my life, I crown Thee now. Thine shall the glory be. Lest I forget, listen, lest I forget, Thy thorn-crowned brow lead me to Calvary. Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget Thine agony, lest I forget Thy love for me, lead me to Calvary. Man, listen, don't, don't forget these reminders for, from Jude, but also don't forget. Don't forget the one that went to the cross to make it all possible for you and I to spend eternity with Him. Let's pray together. Father, I thank You for Your Word today. God, what a difficult lesson. But Lord, these reminders are in Your Word. God, to shelter us from making the same mistakes. God, may our church stand on faith. And Lord, when we can't see the evidence, God, help us to stand on faith. Lord, remind us that immorality always has a terrible, terrible cost. And remind us, God, that Your Word is so clear that for a faithful people, God, You always provide. You always part the sea. God, You are always sufficient. And so, Lord, I thank You for our class. I pray now as we go and worship that God will celebrate Your goodness. God will praise You. And Lord, as we sing in just a moment, I love to tell the story. God, let us be faithful this week in telling the old, old story of Jesus and His blood. God, we pray this in the wonderful, matchless name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Y'all have a great day.